Now it needs a name. How about Trogdor the Burninator? Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week. For new listeners, thanks for finding the podcast. For regular listeners, welcome back. Last week's episode was an interesting one about the time we accidentally dropped a bomb on South Carolina and darn near nuked a community. This week, we've got something else, another type of minor catastrophe, and it comes to us from Josh. Hey, Michael. This is Josh from Kansas City. I recently learned that when Adobe made Flash obsolete, it took down an entire train system. Can you do an episode about that? Thanks. I do not know what this is referring to, so let's give it a search. Whoa. Okay, this is pretty... This is a fascinating story. This is the exact type of thing I'm looking for for this podcast. And finally, we have a contemporary story. This happened this year. The headline of this story says... When Adobe stopped Flash content from running, it also stopped a Chinese railroad. Firstly, if you weren't an internet user in the early 2000s, you really missed out on the best part of Flash. I'll try to tell this story without making it super boring for the people who aren't into internet programming stuff. I'm not. I'm just familiar with Flash because all of the internet media it created. Around the time I was in college, there was a huge internet phenomenon. One of the first internet-based regular cartoons, it was called Homestar Runner. Dear Strongman, why doesn't Homestar ever wear pants? It's kind of creepy how he walks around with no pants on all the time. Anyway, hobbly blah, 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 blue, I don't care, just get him some pants. Homestar Runner was a comedy series made by Mike and Matt Chapman, and it starred this main character, Strongbad. He was based on a character from an obscure wrestling computer game, he would basically just answer people's mail and it was always something funny. They were short form animated videos and some of the first viral content. They continue producing videos to this day, but they really saw their heyday in the early 2000s. Here I go once again with the email. Every week I hope that it's from a female. Oh man, not from a female. Hey Strongbad, can you draw a dragon? I want to see your skills of an artist. The Strong Bad cartoons on Homestar Runner were Flash-based animations. Flash is this file format and platform that was used to create simple animations. They were known for being able to use very small file sizes and load quickly in the early days of the internet when internet speeds were just a fraction of what we have today. Most of them just played when a video was loaded, but some were made to be interactive such as the popular Frog in a Blender flash animation where you see a frog swimming in water in a blender and you have the option to press the button to turn the blender on. Frog in a Blender has hundreds of millions of views since its release in 1999. It was the popular choice for web-based games like online casinos. One of my favorite flash-based websites was called You're the Man Now Dog, which was just a site where people could upload their own full-page flash animations that were always loud, bright, flashing, and put into a never-ending loop. That website still exists, by the way. Their most popular page was just a recording from a radio show called How to Prank a Telemarketer. Yes, can I speak with Tom Maid? Who's calling? Well, this is Mike with You've been selected to receive a complete digital satellite system for free. With this, you're going to... Oh, let me ask you something. Did, did you know Tom Maid? Were you a friend of his? 
No, I'm not. I'm just calling to... Uh, hold, 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 hold that thought. Hold on one second, all right? Hey, guys, get really good pictures of the body. Yeah, and dust everything down for prints. Thank <laughs> you there. Yeah. Let me bring you up to speed. You've actually called a murder scene. Uh, Mr. Mabe is no longer with us. <laughs> it seemed like at the time, everyone I knew had heard that prank call. Even YouTube was powered by Flash until about six years ago. Videos were converted to Flash because it was a way to compress information into something that loaded very quickly. But it's much more than animation. It was a software platform that was used in desktop and mobile apps, games, and apparently some public utilities. That brings us to the train system of Dalian in the northern part of China. They built their train system to operate using Flash. So when Adobe announced it was discontinuing Flash, there were a few places where that might have an effect. This train system was one of them, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. The thing with technology and software is that it's constantly changing. Nobody knew how to use Zoom before the pandemic, and now it's as familiar as Microsoft Word to a lot of people. Some people still aren't proficient, and for those people, I have a solution to keep your presentations from being a train wreck. And that, my friends, is a segue. I get asked on a weekly basis how I'm running my shows online. I actually got this question this week after having a Zoom conference about a show with someone. He said, I really want to talk to you about how you're doing some of the things that you're doing. And the problem with that is if I told you what I'm using, if I just said, hey, download OBS and that'll take care of it, it doesn't take care of it because there's a huge learning curve. There's a lot to learn. If you just download it, it doesn't tell you anything. Then you've got to figure out your audio and everything else. That's where Virtual Presenter Course comes in. They give you step-by-step -step instructions that even non-tech-savvy people understand, and that will help you turn your presentations into a virtual broadcast studio. And I want your online meetings to be awesome, so I'm going to give you 20% off your order just by listening to the show. You go to virtualpresentercourse.com 30, or use the link in the show notes, and I promise immediately you're gonna like what you see. It's virtualpresentercourse.com 30, and you too can be a world-class presenter. So it's cold this week here in Ohio, uh, at least this weekend it is. It's been down in the 40s and 50s, and I've been wearing my Scotty Vest fleece. It's the SEV 2.0 fleece that I have, and it has so many awesome pockets. I can put my keys in my pocket, snap them to the key ring. That way I know they're not going to fall out. I'm not going to lose them. If I put my sunglasses in my pocket, it's got a lens wipe right there attached to the pocket. The pocket that holds my phone has like a clear plastic window so I can operate my phone without removing it from my jacket. And if you've got wired headphones, there's a channel in the jacket that goes up to the top where your neck is and you can just keep it in there all the time. You put your headphones in, when you take them off, they're right there, you don't lose them. It's really cool, they have thought of everything. And I want you to get 15% off of your Scotty Vest. Go to scottyvest.com and use my promo code Tell me, T-E-L-L-M-E, -L -L -E, all one word. That'll give you 15% off of your order. They've got jackets, vests, pants, shirts, even underwear. And they're made with carrying a bunch of stuff in mind because that's what we do. We carry stuff around with us. And I don't want you to have an ugly phone bulge in your pocket. I want you to carry that stuff in a way that looks good on you. So go to scottyvest.com. Go pick out some clothes. Tell them I sent you by typing T-E-L-L-M-E -L -L -E as the promo code, and that'll give you 15% off that order. Let's get back to this week's show. 
Dalian, China is located on a peninsula just northwest of North Korea. It's not a city I've ever heard of before, but with a population of 6.6 million people, it's bigger than every American city except for New York City. For reference, this one Chinese city has about the same number of people as the entire state of Indiana. And the China Railway Shenyang Group in China is hugely important for getting people around. When it was constructed in 1903, the Dalian Railway System was one of the most advanced and largest in China. And this railway was using flash-based displays in its control rooms. The software used flash to view train operation diagrams, formulate train sequencing schedules, and arrange shunting plans. I didn't know what shunting was, so I googled that. Shunting is the process of sorting items of rolling stock into complete trains. In the US, we call it switching. So basically, it's the way train cars are compiled into a train. Anyway, at 8 p.m. on January 12th of 2021, all of these systems stopped working because Adobe disabled Flash. Despite the name, the decision to disable it didn't happen in a flash. It might be the slowest obsolescence in software history. They announced in July of 2017 that they would be disabling Flash. Adobe acknowledged that it had served its purpose but wasn't needed anymore. More powerful open source platforms like HTML5 and CSS3 had made it weak by comparison. Not only that, a more efficient web standard was needed for the many platforms that web content needs to be displayed on. Tablets, phones, desktops, and train control panels, apparently. While they announced its demise in 2017, they waited quite a while to announce when that would be. Finally, last June, June of 2020, Adobe announced Flash's death date. It would no longer be supported after December 31st, 2020, and would completely stop working on January 12th of 2020. This was because if you had kept your Flash software up to date, they had built a kill switch into it. So starting on January 12, if you tried to view anything in Flash, you'd see a message that said Adobe Flash Player is blocked. And so that's why at 8 p.m. that night, 8 a.m. here in Eastern Standard Time, on July 12, the trains stopped running. All of the software to run them was inoperable. In the three and a half years since the announcement of the end of Flash, no one bothered with updating their system software. So for 20 hours, all the way until 4 p.m. the following day, no trains ran on the Shenyang system in Dalian. So you may be wondering how they solved their problem. They could have hired a crack computer whiz to build a new system based on software that's still supported in that 20 hours. Sorry, no, here's what they did. Get this. They found a pirated version of the Flash software, a ghost version it was called, to get the trains back on track. So there you have it. Obsolescence problems require obsolete solutions. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend and quiz them. And today I'm talking with comedy magician and host of the Penguin Magic podcast and Twitch streamer, Eric Tate. You may recognize Eric from Ships of the Northern Fleet or Penn and Teller Fool Us. He is a buddy slash nemesis of mine here in Columbus. Eric Tate, good to have you on the podcast again, man. How have you been? 
I've been great. Uh, I am currently trapped under a tiny dog who's very sleepy. That sounds like a Sunday morning to me. Um, it's a that's, great it's a thing. That is the best way to start Sunday morning. I got up early this morning from my dogs. They they just woke me up and wanted to get the day going, and I don't mind it. I'm on my second cup of coffee, and you've been on the podcast before, but I think it's been a while, and I'm not sure uh, if you have been on the podcast. Have you been on since we renamed it to The Internet Says It's True, or were you back no. on Tell Me What to Google? I was back on Tell Me What to Google, oh, well, so I was, I was unaware of the brand shift. Welcome to this brand new, totally different, and not at all the same podcast with the same... Did you get, did you get sued by the alphabet? <laughs> I didn't get sued, uh, but what I did was uh, the problem with having Google in the name of your podcast is that it sucks for search engine optimization. Uh, so. Uh, so it was... Uh, it's a fight or flight response to the internet. It, yeah, it was. I'm not going to win that battle. So kind of, uh, you know, anything with Google, if you're searching Google for something with Google, you're not, it's not going to be found. And it made a huge difference, believe it or not. Today, uh, our listeners have just learned this, but I haven't talked to you about it. So for this first question, it'll be a surprise. Then after that, we'll get into some stuff that's new to the listeners and to us. For this first question, we are playing for an embarrassing Facebook photo post. So if you get it right, I have to post an embarrassing photo of myself on Facebook. If you miss it, you've got to post one of yourself. Do you accept these terms, Eric Tate? Yes, I do. Okay. I can't wait to see if you get this one. In 2021, Adobe finally canceled all support for Flash. And on January 12th, it was disabled globally. Which one of these consequences happened as a result? A. YouTube crashed. B, a train system stopped running in China, or C, Homestar Runner was canceled. I think it's the train in China. You think correctly, it is the train in China. Desp I went again. Despite the warnings going back to 2017 that Adobe was going to cancel Flash uh, in Dalian, China, they didn't heed the warnings. They kept all of their routing and scheduling and displays in Adobe Flash. And uh, Adobe built a kill switch into that on the last couple builds. So on January 12th, the trains didn't run for 20 hours. How do you run a train in a Flash program? Because the only real experience I have with Flash is like games. Yeah, so, games like, and was animation. Was it like just like a weird escape room that they were using <laughs> to run the game or like or just like did you have to burninate enough stuff as Trogdor in order to get the trains to run? On yeah, time? Trogdor the burninator was the was like the mascot of the train system and they woke <laughs> up and he was just dead on the floor. And no, I think what what it was was the display, like the interface, the, the, the user ah. interface where the displays of showing them what where trains were and and how to move the trains and all that was somehow built in flash uh and the funniest part of this story that we just learned was to solve the problem in those 20 hours they didn't rebuild the system they didn't hire some crack developers to to they just found an older ghost version of flash they found a pirated version of flash and to my knowledge are running that uh here today five months later that's hysterical. Yes, yes. So you got that right. I will post an embarrassing photo of myself on, on Facebook, and I will go one step further, and I will post the words, roast me, 
one of my senior pictures where I am posing with my drum set. I am I was incredibly awkward. Uh, I was I was a late bloomer, incredibly awkward all the way up into my 20s and, and arguably 30s. The, the scariest moment of my life was when I was at the optometrist and they were like looking at my eyes because I had like a macular degeneration like in the back of my eye and uh and the optometrist is uh saying uh so uh he's trying to like make me feel better while he looks at it and he's like so what do you do for a living and i was like i'm a magician and he goes oh you're a magician do you know michael kent he's the reason i couldn't be in ba- in the osu band <laughs> uh and th- and that's how that's how i found out you were a drummer in, in college was uh, a very bitter optometrist that you, I guess, wouldn't let onto the drum line. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that was someone, it, it was a very difficult thing as a drummer in the college marching band to have to like judge and make really important decisions about peers and people that I didn't know that well, but really wanted to do this thing. I was cut from the band when I was a freshman in college and I remember that feeling and it's it's horrible because the stuff the little piddly stuff that it comes down to because you've got 40 people trying out for three spots is it's so minuscule and it's it's the it's the difference between like well this person's foot was 1 inch over this line and this person's foot wasn't so they get to spend the next 6 months you know, getting all this free food and uniforms and trips. And it, it really, it really stunk. But he, he actually did uh, make the band, but just not when I was the squad leader. I just feel like everybody should be aware that your decisions in college could affect your friend's eyes in the future. And I think that's <laughs> a major takeaway. I just, I felt like I was in the movie Saw and the only way out was to be like, I actually hate Michael Kent too. Let's be friends. <laughs> So are we talking about Flash for the rest of the episode? Is that what's going on? So for your Patreon viewers, since everyone who's listening to this podcast for free can't see the video, I'm flashing my dog's butt. Uh, (laughs) Question two. For this question, if you get it wrong, you have to tell me about your most embarrassing gig as a magician. If you get it right, I'll tell you a story about my most embarrassing gig doing magic. Adobe Flash was known as what? Before it was purchased by Adobe in 2005. A. Macromedia Flash. B. Animator Bot Pro. C. Prodigy Flash. I think it's Macromedia. You think correctly. You're two for two. Uh, it was Macromedia that had Flash before that. Flash was created in 1995 as Future Splash Animator. Uh, and that was Flash 1.0. Future Splash Animator. Future Wave, along with Flash, were soon bought by Macromedia in 97 and then bought by Adobe in 2005. Uh, So it was Macromedia Flash up to version 8, and then it became Adobe Flash. And now I remember it being Macromedia. I was like, I was worried for a second that like the real answer was just like, like monkey butt computer uh, pretty or something (laughs) like that. Just some guy out of his garage. What, uh, What was the first Flash animation that you remember? largely what i remember was like the games like the flash games were like that that was just like totally the thing when i was in like late high school early college um and there was like there was a huge website that had like collated all of them and you could go there and play them uh that was how i got really into like tower defense games like back in the day question three the running prize for question number three 
is always one of these stickers. It says, tell me what to Google, the previous name of the podcast. I have 200 of them, and they mean nothing. In a similar instance, just over 20 years ago, there were three days, December 31st, January 1st, and January 2nd, in which United States spy satellites transmitted data that was unreadable. What was the reason for the error? A. The building that controlled the satellites was demolished. B. The contractor that managed the software was out on a holiday break. Or C. The Y2K bug. Ooh, um, I think the building was demolished. Unfortunately, Eric, it was the Y2K bug. That's impossible. I know. This was news to me. This was one of only a handful of actual problems that the Y2K bug caused. The Y2K bug, as many people know, it was a problem in which widespread panic set in that computer programs had abbreviated the dates using just two digits for the year and starting back over with the year 00 would crash the entire world. In reality, there were very few real life impacts. Now, in this case, United States spy satellites, they stopped sending readable data. And it wasn't because of the Y2K bug. It was because of the patch that they had sent up the week okay. before to fix the Y2K bug. So it was a bad Y2K patch. Um, and, and many of the problems that, that we had with the Y2K were because of people messing with the software and doing patches and not because of the mm -hmm. bug itself. I sort of vaguely remember this now. Um, about something being like the satellite being unreadable because of the Y2K bug. I remember it was like widely reported at the time because so many people, myself included, did like Y2K tests like with our home computers and just like it was all fine. Like yeah. there was no issues. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of the issues that were reported, I found a list of like actual problems that happened because of Y2K. And a lot of them were like, well, some documents printed the wrong date. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't like it wasn't like taking down train systems. It was it was little things like this. But this is a serious issue. We caused it by our panic, not because mm -hmm. of the actual bug. So uh, I will not be giving you one of these stickers and I will be left with the remaining stack. Oh, OK. <laughs> I'm sort of like I'm a little glad that I have to like the, like I got the two questions right but then the one that would allow you to empty your house of useless merch is the one I got wrong <laughs> and I'm like I'm pretty pleased with that outcome <laughs> you don't you don't need my leftover crap uh, okay fine well you'll you'll hopefully be on the podcast again sometime soon and we'll try again so this is question four we're playing for an audio easter egg this is where okay. if you get the question wrong you have to say a hidden phrase of my choosing somewhere in the next episode of the penguin magic podcast okay. if you get it right i will say the same phrase on next week's episode of this show this week okay. the phrase of my choosing is quote say what you will about burglis he would have never done that this week was an interesting thing with david burglis the magician because there was an article in the new york times and i had lay people non-magicians sending me links to this interesting thing about this one particular trick that David Burgess was famous for, which is any yeah. card at any number. And, you know, it's been described as sort of the holy grail magic trick. And so that mixes this with a quote, one of my favorite quotes from The Office, where Jim Halpert is talking about Michael Scott and said, say what you will about Michael Scott. He would have never done that. 
which, yeah. uh, okay. okay. So we mix those two together for this one. We're going to do a question about China and it's true okay. or false, true or false. China owns every single giant panda in the world. That is true. That, that the, the way that they consider themselves to own all of the uh, pandas in the world and all of the pandas and zoos around the world are considered to be on loan and not actually like uh, they're it's on loan as a gift, but the, but China owns the panda. You are correct. I somehow knew you would know that one. Even pandas that were born in zoos outside of China are technically mm-hmm. on loan from China. And there are currently only about 1800 giant pandas in the wild right now and around 400 in captivity. Um, but in the past decade, the panda population has grown by 17%, which is fantastic. Yeah. Crazy. What if they did that? What if we were just like, yeah, all dogs, if you have a dog, it's an American dog, no matter what. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just going to go on record as saying that all, all I own all of the dogs. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm terribly irresponsible, but I'm, I own all of the dogs. <laughs> They're all over the place. Uh, you know, I've got a couple of your dogs on loan. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to take care of them till they die. Uh, every basically. dog, every dog in the world is on loan from me. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Tate, owner of seven billion dogs. So you got that one right, which means I have to say in next week's episode, say what you will about Burglas. He would have never done that. Uh, I'm writing a magic book right now, and there's a footnote in that book in which I speculate uh, that the Burglas effect is just getting people to agree to to say that they saw an amazing trick and that the no, no actual trick actually occurred. And that he just, and he was like, if you just say this, we can do drugs together. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's how I, that's what I think the real effect is. It could be, you know, there was a time in which I, the, the market that I'm in performing in colleges was starting to become very competitive for me. And everyone wanted to know what everyone was doing in their shows. Now, mm-hmm. those of us who do a lot of colleges sort of know, we just know what each other, you know, we're familiar. We're all friends. But there yeah. was a time when it's like if there was a photo of you on the Internet doing something, people are like, oh, is he doing that trick with the thing with the chairs? What is he doing? And so there was a time when that was a whole bit in my show. And I had this bright blue plastic bucket. And yeah. I would just have someone hold the bucket in the show on stage with me. And, to, and I, would, I would have everyone to, in the audience take a picture of it and post on social media, I can't believe about the thing with the bucket. Oh, and there was, there was no bucket trick. And I did that for like a few months. I was doing the, the bucket trick and there was no bucket trick. And I was doing it solely to mess with my magician friends on Facebook. And it was fantastic. It worked. Everyone was like, what's the thing with the bucket? <laughs> all right. Question five. This one is for all the marbles. If you get this wrong, I am banning you from the show. Never to be asked on again. What okay. was the last great book you read? It wasn't great, but the last book I read was uh, uh, Ready Player Two. Ready Player Two. It was fine. It was not as it was. Uh, it was. I didn't enjoy it as much as Ready Player One, uh, although it asks arguably deeper and more meaningful questions than Ready Player One. Also set in Columbus. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's set in Columbus in the same way that Ready Player One is set in Columbus, where they're just like, here's the name of a city for you to have context about where everything is. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, thank you so much for for taking some time out of your day to come on the podcast. And uh, you're going to stick around because as soon as we finish here, we're going to play the quiz game 
for a bonus episode, which okay. is uh, happening. That episode will be available to everyone on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. So you'll get a double dose of Eric Tate if you're a member over there. Um, thanks again for coming on this episode, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks to Josh for the show topic and to Eric Tate for being a guest. Go hit that Patreon if you want to see the video unedited of my guest quiz with Eric or to hear the bonus episode that we'll have coming out this week. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from my show, please go over to iTunes and leave a review with five stars and a few words. It's not for my ego. It's so more people can hear this show. That helps me a ton. That's how their algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the Internet says it's true. The internet says it's true. We'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help me learn how to walk and shoot Guam at the same time. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Tony Ford, Bryce Swanson, Mitch Joseph Kemplin, Andrew Joseph Kemplin, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, Josh Von Allen. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Bobby Richards. All audio clips in this episode are used for educational and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever